0: IT'S a PRIVILEGE. <clears throat> ALL RIGHT, MR. MANAGER. ALL RIGHT, THANK YOU, MAYOR. We, uh, TONIGHT'S WORK SESSION IS uh, FOLLOWING OUR THEMES OF uh, uh, HOUSING EDUCATION PUBLIC SAFETY. TONIGHT IS uh, EDUCATION. AND um, I'M GOING TO TAKE, um, COME BACK IN A MOMENT AND MAKE A COUPLE OF QUICK INTRODUCTIONS OF SOME, some NEW KEY STAFF MEMBERS. AND, um, uh, and THEN um, i GOING TO ASK SUSAN PERRY TO STEP UP, AND SHE'S GOING TO INTRODUCE SOME GUESTS FROM THE uh, HAMPTON ROADS COMMUNITY FOUNDATION. Um, who are with uh, the um, Minus 9 to 5 initiative that the Community Foundation has put together, early care education program that is really focused on uh, everything from prenatal care right through um, kindergarten. Um, so I think it's a good presentation and one that uh, you all will enjoy, and she'll introduce Linda Rice and Jane Glasgow to us. Uh, we've we've uh, bumped Michael Paris a time or two to talk about the Norfolk Works program, but one of the things that I think this council uh, has said loud and clearly over the THE last few SEVERAL MONTHS AND YEARS, IS uh, THAT AS WE DO THESE SIGNIFICANT DEVELOPMENT PROJECTS, WE WANT TO MAKE SURE THAT uh, NORFOLK RESIDENTS uh, HAVE AN OPPORTUNITY TO GET THE JOBS THAT ARE GENERATED, AND I THINK WE'VE HAD SOME REALLY GOOD SUCCESS uh, DOING THAT. MICHAEL WORKING WITH uh, A LOT OF FOLKS IN THE ORGANIZATION, INCLUDING SUSAN PERRY, uh, DONE SOME FUN THINGS, AND WE WANT YOU TO GET AN UPDATE ON WHAT THAT LOOKS LIKE, AND uh, I THINK YOU'LL ENJOY uh, THAT AS WELL. Um, AFTER MICHAEL'S PRESENTATION, I DON'T THINK YOU ALL HAVE HAD PETER BURKE uh, MAKE A PRESENTATION, yet, BUT PETER FROM THE uh, Strategic, plan- budget strategic planning office is uh, doing a great job for us and is going to staff the uh, Lifelong Learning Commission. And so he's going to stand up and uh, give you a presentation of what we think that uh, looks like and what that process is and what the uh, milestones uh, will be. Uh, really a follow-up to the March 28th meeting that we had here when y'all started to, to flesh that out. And then finally Steve Hawks will step up and, and um, give an update on the uh, Ready to Thrive program <coughs> that was uh, so, so successful last year. Um, So, that's the agenda. Uh, First thing I'd like to do is make a couple of uh, fun introductions, and uh, we have a new um, Intergovernmental Relations Officer uh, that will be familiar to many of you, uh, Ivanda Bellamy. Um, Ivanda, I think um, many of you know, but uh, 10 years as um, Legislative Assistant, uh, so good experience uh, uh, in the General Assembly, has a tremendous uh, network of contacts. uh, MOST RECENTLY HAS BEEN WORKING IN JAMES ROGERS SHOP AND uh, did, a, DID A GREAT JOB FOR, for HIM AND HAS uh, GOT a, a KEEN SENSE OF THE STATE BUDGET, HAS SET UP TOWN HALL MEETINGS, AND uh, WE'RE THRILLED TO HAVE uh, YVONDA HERE. Um, SHE HAS A DEGREE IN SOCIOLOGY FROM NORFOLK STATE UNIVERSITY AND WILL BE uh, SOMEBODY THAT YOU ALL SEE A, a GREAT DEAL OF, um, PARTICULARLY WHEN THE GENERAL ASSEMBLY IS IN SESSIONS. So I JUST WANTED YOU TO HAVE A CHANCE TO, to SEE YVONDA AND WELCOME HER TEAM. <laughs> But joining Yvonne will be um, Captain Doug Beaver. And many of you all know uh, Doug is the. Uh as the uh, former commanding officer at Norfolk Naval Station um, has joined us as uh, on Monday as our new military affairs liaison, and uh, Doug has obviously got a, a tremendous 25-year career uh, in the Navy, was frankly instrumental in setting up the uh, Centennial Commission for us. So has already, you know, been working with uh, Team Norfolk in a, in a significant way, and uh, we're awfully pleased to have him join the team. And I uh, want you to see him and welcome Doug as well. And then, just because uh, Chuck snuck one in on me, uh, uh, we have a new business development manager in the uh, economic development office. Mr. Sean Washington uh, has joined us as well. And just since uh, Sean is here, I wanted you to have a chance to see him and meet Sean as well. <laughs> All right. Um, so we, um, I got to tell you, it is uh, there are a lot of people that want to work for Team Norfolk. So it's been fun. And we had a chance to, to really select these folks out of some very um, keen competition. And we're glad to have them on the team. and Look forward to working with them. Um, So with that said, I'll ask Susan Perry to come up and um, introduce the uh, Minus 9 to 5 initiative with the Hampton Roads Community Foundation.
1: Good evening, Mayor, members of council. Um, It's really my pleasure to introduce to you um, a presentation by the Hampton Roads Community Foundation um, with their new initiative called Minus 9 to 5. This initiative really seeks to build high-quality early childhood education system, focusing really on the whole child from prenatal through kindergarten. Um, And with this council's focus on education, we really wanted you to be aware of this good work happening in our region around early childhood education. So with us today is Dr. Linda Rice, who's the vice president uh, for grant making with the Hampton Roads Community Foundation. Uh, Prior to joining the foundation, she was the provost for the Chesapeake campus of the Tidewater Community College. She also served as a member of the Norfolk uh, Poverty Commission, as a member of um, our workforce development work group. And she's really been an active participant in the implementation of this work, both in workforce development and uh, neighborhood revitalization and support. With Dr. Rice is Dr. Jane Glasgow, who's the executive director of the Minus 9 to 5. She has had an extensive career in early childhood development and has really been responsible for coordinating this effort across the various teams um, on a regional level. So I think you'll really enjoy this presentation. With that, I'll turn it over to Dr. Linda Rice.
2: Mayor and members of council, thank you for having Dr. Jane Glasgow and me with you tonight. In 2015, after reviewing a no- number of issues in the community, the Hampton Roads Community Foundation determined that early care and education was an area we would explore for a collective impact initiative. Prior to embarking on the initiative, a feasibility was, a study was conducted interviewing over 100 individuals, 50 of which were parents very important to the study. From the study, it was clear that this type of initiative was important. There was an appetite from parents, early care professionals, and others in the region. So in 2016, in July, the foundation began the initiative Minus 9 to 5 with the employment of Dr. Jane Glasgow. Since that time, Jane has employed the best practices of collective impact. And has gathered over a 100 stakeholders from 80 organizations across the region to build a bottom-up process that focuses on improving the system of early care and education. I'm pleased to introduce to you Dr. Jane Glasgow. Jane has over 30 years experience in early care and education, and she is very passionate about making the lives of children and families in our region better through
3: nine to five, minus nine to five. Thank you. Boy, that was quite an introduction. Uh, Thank you very much, uh, Mayor and members of council, for um, the invitation to come and talk about one of my favorite subjects, um, children and families. Um, So as Dr. Rice stated, Minus 9 to 5 was started last year as a collective impact initiative, Um, and that's a term that we hear frequently. A lot of people know, um, use the term collective impact. Really what um, I think is important to remember about Collective Impact is the fact that this is really a community-led, bottom-up initiative. Um, So rather than me coming in as Executive Director and saying, here's what our agenda is going to be, it's really bottom-up. As Dr. Rice mentioned, we have hundred, about 100 stakeholders, a few more than that, um, and about 80 organizations that are represented across the whole initiative. Um, And we're really focused on PREPARING FAMILIES FROM CONCEPTION TO THE TIME THEIR CHILDREN ENTER KINDERGARTEN. AND and WE KNOW THAT IT'S SO CRITICAL TO, um, AS WE THINK ABOUT CHILDREN BEING READY FOR SCHOOL AND um, ENTERING SCHOOL IN A a WAY THAT WE KNOW THAT IS GOING TO SET THEM UP FOR SUCCESS, that, THAT WE REALLY HAVE TO ACKNOWLEDGE THAT THAT HAPPENS LONG BEFORE THEY'RE EVEN BORN. Um, that access to prenatal care, access to family supports are all critical. And so our initiative really is focusing, starting at conception all the way to kindergarten, um, focusing on kindergarten readiness um, and all the pieces in between. When we talk about the early care and education system, um, it's a little confusing, but really the way that I want you to think about it is that um, the system is any part of the community, the organizations within the community that touch families from the time they find out that they're pregnant until the time that their child enters public school or um, traditional kindergarten. So um, uh, that's what our initiative is really about, hence the minus nine um, to five. Sometimes people have to think for a minute about what that really means. So um, our initiative focuses, um, as um, Ms. Perry mentioned, is a regional effort and focuses on the five cities of um, Norfolk, Chesapeake, Portsmouth, Suffolk and Virginia Beach. It's about aligning a lot of what is happening in each of those cities so that we make things more, easy, uh, more easily accessible for families. Um, our initiative is really not about a program or starting something new. Our initiative is about building connections, building deeper connections and aligning programs and services across the community. And so in a few minutes, I'm going to share with you a couple of the initiatives that are a couple of the action plans that the initiative is working on, and, and I think that that will help to clear um, to clarify what we are doing. Um, really, some of the key tenets are that we are increasing communication and understanding across the five cities. Helping folks to understand what other organizations are doing, where they can make connections. Um, There's many, uh, each city has different protocols and different sets of um, programs, but how can we work together to align those in the best way that we can um, while keeping our our city things the way that they should be, but also keeping uh, or developing a regional approach? So, Um, Our vision for Minus 9 to 5 is really quite simple, um, that each family in Hampton Roads will be equipped and supported to raise children who are healthy, thriving, and ready to learn. Um, So as you can see, this initiative is different potentially than many things that um, go on in our community. A lot of times we think about getting children ready for school um, as kind of an academic thing or or just um, cognitive development. AND WE DON'T NECESSARILY CONNECT THE um, HEALTH ASPECT OF THAT WITH THE FAMILY ASPECT AND THE ACADEMIC ASPECT. SO WE'RE REALLY FOCUSING ON um, MAKING SURE THAT CHILDREN ARE HEALTHY, THRIVING, AND READY TO LEARN, AND THAT OUR COMMUNITY um, SURROUNDS FAMILIES IN MAKING THAT HAPPEN. SO um, IN ADDITION TO OUR VISION, WHICH WAS um, DEVELOPED by our steering committee, which I'll share with you a little bit about that in a few minutes. Um, We also have goals for early care and education system of what that should look like, guiding principles about the way that we'll work together. Um, The initiative really focuses, again, on cross-sector working groups of, of people, so it's not just education folks or not just health folks. Um, or not just human services folks, but really bringing to, together people from different sectors to work across these um, these issues. Um, sometimes that really can be more difficult because we tend to work in our own silos and in our own uh, approach. And so um, one of our guiding principles is really focusing on debate and dialogue, um, trusting developing trusting relationships enough to be able to to converse with people and and share those, ask those hard questions and share those pieces. Um, Another one of our key tenants is um, family voice. Um, My background is in um, family engagement and working with families and parents, and so one of the other key pieces to our initiative is that we have opportunities for parents um, within the communities to share uh, input, input and um, to really be part of the solution and help, help build the system that's going to serve them as opposed to us coming in and saying, this is what we think you need. Um, so, um, we are looking at our, um, the outcomes that we are seeking to change. We have nine metrics that we're looking at. Um, this is a long-term, because it's systems building, it's not a programmatic um, approach, so it's not that we're gonna do this and then this is gonna happen, which is gonna change this. Um, so our, our um, measures are really uh, on a longer term. We will begin in 2022 um, using uh, um, five years to really look at changing these outcomes for children and families, so um, the arrows really indicate what things we want to increase, and the down arrows, things that we want to decrease. And we know um, in our community that um, we want to increase the mothers who are receiving early prenatal care, decreasing the number of babies uh, born at a low birth weight, decreasing the infant mortality rate, uh, increasing the number of children receiving immunizations on schedule, increasing the children with the family medical home, um, increase families participating in home visiting, increasing children receiving developmental screenings, um, and increased children meeting the Kindergarten PALS fall benchmarks and reducing the number of children that are retained in Kindergarten. This is just a quick snapshot of the measures that we're using. We have much more in-depth data that looks at um, city by city. We've disaggregated all of this, and we're really looking to um, make an impact, not just in in aggregate, but looking at numbers for individual groups in individual cities so that we ensure that we're helping all of our families and not just some of our families. Um, The structure of our initiative, um, just wanted to kind of explain a little bit. So as I mentioned earlier, the steering committee is um, kind of the, the lead organization. We have 24 members. Of our steering committee, and um, I will have a slide that I'll share that information with you as well. The steering committee's role is to lead and guide the initiative to help help set the strategic um, direction of the initiative. Um, and the the steering committee developed our goals, our vision, our guiding principles, and helped with our shared metrics. Um, then we have a um, set of six working groups, um, and hence. That's where the bulk of our 100 folks that are involved are. We have 15 to 20 people. Um, Again, cross-sector organizations, cross-sector business, uh, uh, um, cross-sector business structures, as well as um, cross-city, representing each of the six working groups. Um, So again, focusing on health, um, the family support that they need to have children who are healthy, thriving, and ready to learn, um, early learning and development, all types of uh, early education programs, whether it be um, in the home uh, with parents, a family day home, a, a chi- li- licensed child care, or a um, pre-K program. Um, we also have a working group on community connections, on that focuses on how the community stands up around uh, helping families with these. And we have a data and knowledge sharing work group. WHICH FOCUSES ON HELPING US MAKE SURE THAT WE ARE FOCUSED ON DATA AND USING THAT AS A BASIS FOR ALL OF THE DECISIONS THAT WE ARE MAKING. Um, A FEW OF OUR ACTION PRIORITIES, um, AND WE HAVE ABOUT 14 ACTION PLANS THAT that WE ARE WORKING ON RIGHT NOW. SOME OF THEM ARE SHORT TERM, SOME OF THEM ARE LONGER TERM, um, AND I JUST WANTED TO SHARE A COUPLE OF THOSE WITH YOU. Um, ONE OF THE FIRST THINGS THAT WE ARE WORKING ON IS A REGIONAL UNIFIED INFANT SAFE SLEEP EFFORT. Um, you may or may not be aware um, that the Norfolk area, um, Southampton Roads, has a very high infant mortality rate, um, many of those based on unsafe sleep practices. Uh, and so in an effort to really focus on that, we have convened a group of all of the um, health directors from the five cities and um, human services folks from the five cities. We've been working with uh, hospital systems And we have um, now convened a safe sleep advisory committee that will begin to shape what our regional effort um, will look like. So that hopefully will be something you'll be seeing um, soon. But again, a really good example of systems building. We know that, that there are many eight, nine, 10 different safe sleep, education programs going on, whether it's at pediatricians, whether it's through Department of Human (coughs) Services or Social Services, um, different hospitals. Um, But what we're doing is pulling all those together to pull some common threads together and and strengthen that as a program, as one program, as opposed to if you go to this hospital and deliver in this hospital, or if you, are it live in this city or go to this doctor or this pediatrician or get this service, you may be getting different messages. And so we want to make sure that all families are getting the same information. Um, another one of our um, priorities is looking at Kids Priority 1, which is a um, d- uh, web-based research resource guide for families. And um, we're working on connecting organizations within the five regions to make sure that they have information in there and then helping for organizations that need to help parents find access to um, resources that they're doing that. So um, in addition, we're looking at a shared services model for childcare. We know that access to affordable childcare is a uh, struggle for many of our families, and so looking at ways that we can support the early care and education business model, um, both focusing on Quality and the, the business model itself um, is an important piece, and so we're looking at a shared services model. Um, and then the last example I want to share with you is a pathway through pregnancy. Really, um, our Healthy Homes, Healthy Children group is working on developing a roadmap, if you will, of um, once, a, once a mother gets pregnant, what are the steps, what does she need to do, how does she access prenatal care, if she has insurance, what might she do, if she doesn't have insurance, what other pieces um, of, the, of, the, um, uh, of the map are important to follow. So um, those are just a few of the actions that we're working on, um, many other in the hopper as well. Um, I did want to share the names of our steering committee members with you. Um, we have representation from all five cities um, in different areas, from business to education to um, human services, um, health and um, medical, we have nonprofits. Um, and so in each of our working groups as well, um, we have representation from each of the cities. Um, and just again, wanted to give you a little snapchat snap, sha, snap bleh, sorry, snapshot of our partners, um, a few of them that are working with us as well. THANK YOU VERY MUCH. I uh, HOPE THAT THAT GAVE YOU A LITTLE uh, SNAPSHOT OF WHAT WE'RE DOING WITH MINUS 9 TO 5 AND um, WOULD BE HAPPY TO ANSWER ANY QUESTIONS THAT YOU MAY HAVE AT ANY TIME. GO
4: AHEAD. Yeah.
5: Um, THIS IS TERRIFIC AND VERY AMBITIOUS. Um, YOU KNOW, I've, I'M ALWAYS FRUSTRATED THAT EVERYBODY'S TRYING TO DO THE SAME THING IN THEIR OWN LITTLE SILO AND NOBODY'S TALKING TO EACH OTHER. So. To that (coughs) effort, I think you're doing a fabulous job of trying to get that together. Um, I'm sorry, I can't divorce what I do for a living. Um, And some of your goals um, might be a little ambitious, might be maybe discreet, you know, for instance, um, reducing preterm delivery. I MEAN, THAT HAS BEEN STUDIED (laughs) FOR 50 YEARS BY OBSTETRICIANS ALL OVER THE WORLD, AND THERE AREN'T ANSWERS OUT THERE. AND SO MAYBE USING THAT AS ONE OF YOUR GOALS OR GUIDELINES, ESPECIALLY WITHOUT THE BENEFIT OF PEOPLE ON YOUR COMMITTEE THAT I CAN SEE THAT ARE RELATED TO THAT KIND OF?
3: WE ACTUALLY DO. OUR HEALTHY HOMES, HEALTHY CHILDREN COMMITTEE IS… WE HAVE um, FOLKS FROM EVMS, FROM THE DEPARTMENT OF PEDIATRICS. WE uh, HAVE FOLKS. I'M TALKING ABOUT <laughs> HERE. YES. Yeah. We SO I, just, I GUESS WHAT I'M SAYING IS there's, THERE HAVE NEVER BEEN ANY
5: VARIABLES THAT HAVE DETERMINED REALLY WHO'S GOING TO DELIVER PRETERM, WHO'S GOING TO DELIVER BELOW WEIGHT. Right. AND SO MAYBE YOUR GOALS, AND I FRANKLY FEEL THAT WHEN YOU'RE STARTING TO LOOK AT THIS AT CONCEPTION, YOU'RE WAY too. You know, I, I mean, you really are. And and again, sadly, prenatal care hasn't even been shown to be a variable that um, improves care in, in many and most cases. So I guess I'd like you to bite off some things that you, I mean, I love the stuff about the sleep. I love the stuff about identifying families in the. Um, uh, postpartum as soon as the baby is born as these are the families we need to work with but I just am am a little worried and maybe I'm in an uh, area that you guys don't want to hear about.
3: <laughs> no but, no um, we actually and, and I will say that one of our guiding principles is that we really encourage debate and dialogue and so you know we want to discuss the questions that that, that are hard to answer um, and I will say so some of the other things that we're focusing on um, we've been talking a lot about universal screening, but ideally, we'd like to back up from universal screening at birth when children are um, in the hospital are delivered and the screenings that happen with moms. We would really like to back up and find a way to begin to implement prenatal and work with the OBs. And, um, I mean, that,
5: this is where your money is.
3: Right. And we so, are talking about, yeah. we, we but, have action plans around it. set
5: up as a goal that you're going to achieve things that nobody thus far has been able to. Do you
3: know what I mean? Right. Our our goal is to reduce that, and 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 our we have um, goals and and um, identified goals uh, metrics that we're looking at um, as far as target metrics. I'm sorry, and so they're very small uh, for some of those areas, knowing that there are many things that we that we are not able to impact, but looking at the things we can impact, if it's that we can focus on. Um, Prenatal care, um, nutrition services, other family support services. Access to care is huge, right? Yeah. And we know that through the data that we've looked at, that that's a there's big variations in access to care. Okay. I'm sorry to get to. Uh, that's okay. But,
5: uh, <laughs> if you can figure this out, you're up for the Nobel Prize.
3: <laughs> All
6: right, okay. Mr. Johnson. So when mm-hmm. you, Dr. Rice, when you mentioned the the committees, mm-hmm. um, and you listed uh, the people. Go back. You can go back. And you listed the various people representing the steering committee members. Where, where do the people who your goal and vision is to serve? Where do they fit in all of this? Where is their input put, or did you just use them? Um, One hundred people,
3: you said. Right, that was for the feasibility feasibility okay. study.
6: So from the study, and your bottom-up, mm-hmm. I heard you say that, which okay. is good, how do the people that you're going to serve fit into the bigger picture other than the
3: study part? Great question. Um, so we are really excited to have um, uh, actually... Uh, resident from one of the Norfolk redevelopment and housing authority areas to come and sit on our steering committee. Um, We're we're working on um, getting a couple of others. We had two other parents that were on our steering committee that um, for various reasons had to step off. So we are replacing those folks as well. Um, We are also um, working with various organizations throughout the community to meet with parents um, and do focus groups, invite them in um, to be a part of working groups and um, and then also the focus groups to, to gather information to share with them What we're doing and get their input um, and thoughts on that as well So we kind of at all the levels at the steering committee level at the working group level and then kind of as a whole looking at, um, at Bringing them together in focus groups <laughs> okay. Thank you very much okay.
0: the manager all right. Thank you so much. Um, uh, next, we're going to hear from uh, Michael Paris with the Department of Development. You know, we, we launched, uh, as I said earlier, Norfolk Works in December of 16, and uh, I think we've got a good story to tell, and I know this has been a high priority for uh, Council. Michael? Good
7: evening. Good evening. Um, thank you, uh, Mayor and uh, Council, for having me. It's an honor to be able to present to you this evening. Um, before we begin, I also want to thank City Council for advocating for this project and uh, to the many members of uh, Team Norfolk who helped make it a reality long before I even came on board. So let's begin. Thank you. Um, so what is Norfolk Works? Um, simply put and uh, launched in December 2016, Norfolk Works is the workforce development arm of Norfolk Economic Development. Our mission is to champion the recruitment of diverse Norfolk talent uh, to support business retention and expansion. To align economic and workforce development efforts to support new business development. And in collaboration with our workforce partners, help Norfolk citizens prepare for and connect to meaningful employment opportunities. We have three key components. Our uh, first is our Job Resource Center, which is at 100 Bank Street. Uh, second, we offer services to businesses through economic development in the areas of recruiting, training, and hiring incentives. And finally, we have an interagency group called the Norfolk uh, Workforce Investment Network that we're pulling together that's an interagency group. Um, We have partners from the universities, from the uh, human services, from Job Corps, from a number of um, of partners within the city um, to help uh, serve the needs of both the businesses and the residents looking to come into these employment opportunities and potentially get training if there's a skills gap. So a shot of our Norfolk Work Center. from an event we had in, uh, over the winter. The Job Resource Center is Norfolk's flagship career access network site. And what a CAN site basically is, is something that links us into our regional workforce investment board, which is Opportunity, Inc. So folks can come in to the center. They can get registered to Opportunity, Inc. with Virginia Employment Commission. They can find out if they uh, av- um, have access to low or no-cost training, among other things. Uh, We also offer job readiness services and connections to employers. We have events uh, with employers both on-site and off-site. In addition to the employment events, we have job clubs and a variety of workshops. We have a number of different (coughs) programs that come in and do job clubs from the Department of Blind and Vision Impaired to the um, uh, Virginia Department of Social Services is looking to start a workshop, and Second Chances also does a workshop on-site as well. We also partner with United Way's uh, Mission United programs to support veterans in transitioning military. So the center utilization has um, gone up pretty steadily through the months. Uh, April, you see a little bit of a drop. Um, We're excluding the 600 people that came that month for Wireside Hiring Week, which we'll talk a little bit more about in just a moment. We sponsored nine employment events thus far. Um, These are kind of the attendance to the events. Uh, The first event that we did was um, Waterside um, Open House, and that's kind of what sparked um, the initiative um, in terms of uh, working with the various uh, workforce uh, community partners and residents. We partnered with 13 different um, partners within the community. Everything from um, Human Services to um, uh, Union Mission was uh, part of this initiative. We had a unique referral uh, ticket system where the workforce partners could give a a referral ticket to a job seeker who had completed a soft skills training program, and they could bring that ticket with them to the event for some additional consideration. Um, And Economic Development Norfolk Works was able to negotiate with the employer that they would um, give them that additional consideration. And they saw 826 people that day. In December, we took a break. Uh, January, we uh, did a a, a employment event, hiring event for Paramount Sleep, a long-time furnace manufacturer uh, we partnered with Virginia Employment Commission and Opportunity, Inc. on this event. Um, they're hiring for about 10 positions. In February, we did another uh, event for a small um, employer, Sorrentino Mariani, which is uh, another long-time uh, Norfolk business and, and furniture manufacturer. has been a great partner for the workforce development community. They're looking for uh, about 10, 15 positions. They interviewed 32 people. So we wanted to make sure the initiative wasn't just about uh, large businesses, but also address the small the needs of the small business community as well. In March, we did three events. Uh, the first was uh, Lidl, which is a, a German uh, grocery store chain. We're paying approximately $12 per hour. Um, and we partnered with NRHA on that particular event. Um, we also did a job fair with NRHA that month. And we did an employability event, which focused on persons with disabilities um, with Waterside and that was in partnership with the Department of Blind and Vision Impaired and the Department of Aging and Potato Services. In April, we did our signature event at the center, which was Waterside Hiring Week. Um, it was a week-long event in the beginning of April, and we'll kind of dive into that a little bit more in just a moment. And we also did an event with um, Simon, Norfolk, Premium Matlitz in partnership with Norfolk State University at Norfolk State Student Center, which saw a little over 2,300 people. So what are some job seekers saying? Um, I pulled this one comment. It's kind of indicative of a lot of comments that we've gotten um, that they really get a lot of help with their their job search project. Um, It's not that we place them immediately into employment, but we're helping them make those connections um, to the hiring events, to the employers they're hiring. We're going to work with them and wherever meet them where they're at, get them connected with whatever program they need to be connected to, and offer them some services directly at the center as well as far as resume writing, online applications, and connections to those training programs. What are some of the partners saying? Um, uh, Reverend Crowley, the Men's Shelter Administrator for Union Missions Ministry, um, talked about how 35 um, individuals were able to secure employment um, from the Men's Shelter through Waterside Hiring Week. And again, we use that referral system as well. And the initiative really um, help eval- works with the uh, in partnership Um, with our partners like Union Mission. In this case, Union Mission did a prep event at the shelter where they helped get the men's IDs, clothing, and training ahead of the event, and we did this in collaboration. Um, So it's really a testament to the great work they did preparing the residents for this opportunity. Norfolk Redevelopment Housing Authority, um, they partnered with us on a number of events. Um, They were a a huge partner on the LIDL uh, interview series. Um, eight uh, residents ended up securing em- employment with Lidl um, and uh, many more with um, Waterside and also with the Simon Norfolk Premium Outlets. And a lot of the partners uh, tell us that the partnership with Norfolk Works and Economic Development provides them some access that maybe they wouldn't otherwise get. I can tell you, you know, my in my former um, positions with Norfolk View Program, with Second Chances with Norfolk Rancher Program, it was very difficult to get a hold of some of these large employers. Um, so Having that intermediary with economic development, I think, makes the difference um, and helps our Norfolk businesses learn about these diverse sources of talent that they may not always be, uh, not know about, but they can very much benefit from. Some preliminary outcomes um, from the initiative. We received over 1,500 visits at the Resource Center thus far. We sponsored nine employment events serving about 4,000 job seekers, coordinated 15 of the workforce development uh, partners, And we supported a little over uh, 700 hires in Norfolk businesses. Approximately 500 of those um, are Norfolk residents. Talk about a couple of the events that we did. Waterside Hiring Week, they interviewed 600 uh, people during the week. Um, The Wireside reported they hired 229 of those and 167 approximately were Norfolk residents, about 73% of the hires. And this is the numbers, of course, that we want to see, that a lot of Norfolk residents were being connected with the opportunity. We find that by connecting Norfolk-based workforce programs and using strategically strong locations influences the percentage of Norfolk residents um, that ultimately end up in these occupations and end up landing the jobs. 145 attendees... Mentioned that they're referred by Norfolk-based programs. Again, really highlights the partnerships um, with the workforce development community. One job seeker at Waterside Hiring Week mentioned that it was a great experience that kind of opened their eyes to the big uh, goal that Norfolk had in in mind, and they're excited to see the changes. And, you know, we're excited about it, too, and um, we thought it was a, a great event. Some businesses have kind of... Uh, give us some feedback. Uh, Zed Smith of the Quarters Company said that the initiative was really helpful in providing a direct conduit of individuals in need of employment. Sorrentini Mariani, uh, Adrian Person, the human resources manager there, mentioned that after doing the hiring event they did in the winter, um, that they it got them the Norfolk talent they needed when they needed it, um, helping meet their customers' deadlines and helping their business grow. And that we don't want businesses not to be able to expand because they have a recruiting challenge or businesses to fail because they have a workforce challenge. These are problems that we think that we can solve, and we can solve them with Norfolk talent. A couple of recent projects that we participated on, first one I want to talk about is the pathway to prosperity training and job fair. This was a, a grassroots effort um, from the Norfolk Pastors Coalition and, and Norfolk Poverty Reduction Initiative. And Norfolk works more in a supporting role on this particular event, and we're really happy to partner with the Pastors Coalition. In addition to the city and the past coalition, Norfolk Redevelopment Housing Authority, Opportunity, Inc., Virginia Employment Commission, and a number of community partners came together. And It was really unique in the sense that um, there was some training programs, some training, uh, soft skills training that we did ahead of the event. We did four uh, events across the city um, at um, the community centers, at the uh, Southside Aquatic Center, and some uh, churches that focused on how to navigate a job fair employability um, to get the residents ready for employment. And the folks that went through that training were able to get a, a special ID, a passport, which we in turn talked to the employers about um, to get them some additional consideration at the event. The event itself on June 1st um, saw over 75 employers and over approximately 600 job seekers were brought together. And again, really a grassroots effort from the Norfolk Passers Coalition. Um, it really hats off to them for organizing this, along um, with the many partners that were involved. Another uh, project that we were on, um, again, this is the largest event that we've done, was the Simon Norfolk Premium Outlets Job Fair. Uh, we partnered with Norfolk State University on this project. The event was held at the Norfolk uh, Student Center. If you haven't been, it's a really great facility. And we saw over 2,300 um, job seekers at that event. It was an awesome turnout. Um, approximately 60% of the uh, folks that attended were Norfolk residents uh, 471 people that came um, reported they received a job offer And about 300 of those were Norfolk residents It says the job fair was kind of masquerading as a hiring event Simon was, each one of these outlets were, needed to hire their entire store um, So it wasn't like a typical job fair where you might have two or four openings They had 30 openings or so each um, So really a great event And as we kind of conclude this evening, um, we sort of talked a lot about a lot of numbers and a lot of different um, partners, but I want to tell you about one um, special Norfolk resident. Uh, This is Ms. Angela Cobb. Um, We partner with AARP, um, their community service employment program, to provide work experience at the center. Ms. Angela Cobb, um, she was amazing. She really helped with a lot of things that you saw tonight. Um, And uh, she. I'm really proud to say that she was actually hired by Team Norfolk last month. She was hired by the Department of Human Services and the Adult Protective Services Unit. She's doing a great job there. I just want to thank her publicly for everything that she did. And that's all I have for you this evening. I'll take any questions that you have. I
4: have Okay, Ms. Johnson
6: and Mrs. Smeagol. Okay, Mr. Paris and to my colleagues on council, <coughs> I would just like to say thank you so very much to, for having the initiative to be bold to be brave and take a chance and realizing that the gap that we were seeing here in Norfolk, it wasn't that we did not have the jobs here in Norfolk, although we're bringing more jobs. It was that we needed to train our residents, our citizens here in Norfolk, so that they could have the skills to be able to go and get those jobs. So I just wanted to say thank you so very much, a special thank you to Team Norfolk for um, YOUR HARD WORK AND BEING BOOTS ON THE GROUND um, FOR MAKING THIS HAPPEN. Um, MR. MANAGER, THANK YOU AS WELL. Um, AND uh, THE <laughs> PASTORS COALITION uh, JOB FAIR, THAT WAS JUST FANTASTIC. Um, MOVEMENT MORTGAGE WAS ONE OF the, THE the BUSINESS THAT WAS THERE, AND THEY HAD LINES ALL DAY LONG. I MEAN, IT WAS JUST LINES AND LINES OF PEOPLE um, BEING THERE. but. THE PASTOR'S COALITION JOB FAIR TURNED OUT TO BE A GREAT EVENT DOWN IN um, uh, SCOPE uh, AND SPENDING TIME WITH THE PEOPLE THERE AND JUST TALKING TO THEM. AND THEY WERE REALLY PLEASED TO BE ABLE TO COME DOWN TO SEE SOMETHING LIKE THIS TO SAY THAT NORFOLK um, DOES CARE ABOUT THEIR RESIDENTS. SO THANK YOU SO VERY um, MUCH. THANK YOU. THANK
8: YOU. THANK YOU. um, Wonderful program, and I like seeing the number of seventy-two percent, seventy-three of Norfolk residents. Um, I would like for us to um, plan on following up and seeing how many of the those employed stayed in that job. Um, uh, Just to get data, I think we need to see that data, Um, particularly those that are coming out of shelters and other um, houses. How that has changed their lives that they've. Um, stayed in that job for over a year. I think those would be helpful for measures on the success of this. Um, I do have one small suggestion, not to sound critical. Um, All of the events are very one-sided of the city, and we have federal um, HUD zones throughout the city, including in Ocean View and Ward's Corner area, that it makes it difficult for people to get to things that are downtown. Um, OR EVEN AT NORFOLK STATE, AND I THINK THAT WE NEED TO DO A BETTER JOB PUSHING THAT IN OTHER PLACES. THE WORKFORCE DEVELOPMENT CENTER um, at WARD'S CORNER WOULD BE A GREAT LOCATION TO DO SOME EVENTS. I KNOW ONE OF THE EVENTS WAS SCHEDULED uh, ON THE ST. PATRICK'S DAY PARADE DAY, um, ONE OF THE FIRST ONES, AND THAT'S LIKE A HUGE EVENT FOR NORFOLK um, THAT MAYBE PEOPLE WOULD HAVE GONE TO. AND I DID HEAR COMPLAINTS FROM SENIOR CITIZENS NOT KNOWING ABOUT THIS AS MUCH. Um, And especially the Simon outlet job opportunities um, and getting some of our seniors working that are still at that poverty level. So they are not um, social media savvy and a lot of these, um, the ways that this was advertised with social media, um, it may mean that we are making physical visits to like the senior centers in Norfolk and we're having physical flyers and things like that being handed out to advertise and make sure that this, that we're having this accessible to. EVERY ONE OF NORFOLK CITIZENS, NOT uh,
6: JUST ON ONE SIDE OF THE CITY. So, AND SO, um, COUNCILMAN SPIEGEL, LET ME um, TOUCH ON BOTH OF THOSE THINGS. SO, um, AS FAR AS THE SENIOR CITIZENS, YOU ARE CORRECT THAT THEY are, SOME OF THEM MAY NOT BE INTO THE IPADS AND EVERYTHING. SO, IT MEANS THAT um, you're THE BOOTS ON THE GROUND TYPE ATTITUDE, um, ATTENDING CIVIC league MEETINGS, WHICH we've all, I'VE ALREADY STARTED um, TO ADDRESS TO LET THE SENIOR CITIZENS KNOW THAT HERE'S WHAT YOUR CITY um, IS DOING. AND SOME OF THEM ARE VERY INTERESTED IN GETTING JOBS. Sure. ALTHOUGH THEY ARE SENIOR CITIZENS, THEY ARE VERY EXCITED ABOUT NORFOLK WORKS, AND YOU'RE ABSOLUTELY RIGHT. Um, ATTENDING THE CIVIC LEAGUE MEETINGS AND LETTING THEM KNOW. Um, AND ONE OF THE THINGS WE DID SAY THAT WE WERE GOING TO ADDRESS, THAT WE HAVE TO DO A BETTER JOB OF COMMUNICATION, HOW WE SEND COMMUNICATION OUT TO OUR RESIDENTS. IT DOESN'T ALWAYS MEAN THAT IT HAS TO BE ONLINE. Um, THE SECOND ONE, um, WHAT I CONSIDER AS HUBS THROUGHOUT THE CITY, that expands Norfolk works uh, five points, some of the the residents talking that they would like to have something like this um, within their community to address five other different five to ten other different communities surrounding the five points area and they want it to come into five points um, so that there is something on the other side. So we have something. For Norfolk Works downtown, possibly the Workforce Development Center out on Awards Corner, and then something on the east side. I don't like that word. So therefore, something on the the other side of town, such as Five Points, where you're you're reaching at least ten different neighborhoods. Right, yes. and,
8: I, and I, I'm going to say so I don't repeat myself later with the um, back to school event too. When we use the NRHA, and and I I've said this before. THEY ARE ADVERTISING TO, um, THERE ARE PEOPLE WHO LIVE THROUGHOUT THE CITY in, IN SECTION 8 HOUSING OR HAVE VOUCHERS, BUT THERE ARE SO MANY OTHER PEOPLE THAT ARE NOT PART OF THAT SYSTEM THAT DO NOT KNOW ABOUT THESE EVENTS, um, AND WE NEED TO FIND A WAY TO GET TO THEM BECAUSE OF THESE OTHER uh, FEDERAL HUD AREAS, ZONES, WE NEED TO MAKE SURE THAT WE'RE HITTING ALL PEOPLE THAT ARE IN THAT POVERTY. Um, AND it's. I KNOW WE USE THE NRHA A LOT. But we've got to figure out the other side of this too because not everybody's part of NRHA.
6: And they're in our communities. They yeah. live in our communities. Another um, uh, big
7: partner of ours has been the Norfolk View program as well. No, but you're right, we do need to find ways to reach our seniors and the other members. Great feedback. Yeah. A great
8: program. Just, just
5: Quickly, I think this is all great. And Mamie, you need a lot of credit for pushing this. So um, thank it's thank great for you everybody. to thank us, but we need to. Um, I'M PRETTY INTERESTED IN DATA, AND SO I THINK NOT ONLY DO YOU NEED TO LOOK AT um, HOW MANY PEOPLE HAVE STAYED EMPLOYED, BUT I, I THINK IT'S ALSO IMPORTANT FOR YOU OUT OF that, THOSE NUMBERS TO KNOW HOW MANY PEOPLE ARE COMING FROM A DIFFERENT JOB, BECAUSE uh, I DID HEAR A LOT OF THAT AT WATERSIDE THAT THEY HAD LEACHED OFF A LOT OF PEOPLE FROM OTHER PLACES, SO uh, WE NEED TO, YOU KNOW, I THINK THAT WOULD BE HELPFUL FOR ALL OF US AND FOR YOU, OBVIOUSLY, IN FOLLOWING THE DATA.
0: MICHAEL, GREAT JOB. MAYOR, THANK YOU. Um, uh, ONE OR or TWO COMMENTS. Uh, YOU KNOW, WE'RE SIX MONTHS IN, AND SO FEEDBACK IS TERRIFIC. AND THE SINGLE KEEP getting BETTER, BUT I GOT TO TELL YOU, THESE PROGRAMS LIVE AND DIE BY THE FOLKS THAT ARE DRIVING THEM, AND Michael's DOING A FANTASTIC JOB. WE APPRECIATE THAT. GOOD JOB.
5: Um,
0: uh, PETER BURT IS, uh, AS I SAID EARLIER, IS A uh, PRINCIPAL ANALYST DOWNSTAIRS IN THE BUDGET AND (coughs) teaching PLANNING OFFICE AND IS GOING TO BE THE STAFF PERSON FOR THE uh, LIFELONG LEARNING COMMISSION, SO HE'S GOING TO GIVE YOU A SENSE OF Direction we're heading in, and <clears throat> we'll have something on your agenda. ON a couple of meetings to um, <coughs> excuse me vote on the resolution. Peter. Yeah. Sorry. No, I didn't mean that. I just meant this
8: is.
5: What you yeah,
8: I know. Oh, yeah, it. I've been. I already read the presentation in advance since we get them. I read the, the
5: timeline.
8: <laughs> no offense, these are pretty boring now. Since we get them in advance, yeah, I hear. I'm just kidding. <laughs>
9: Requested that I know. I know. <laughs> That's why he's joking. <laughs> uh, good evening, Mr. Mayor, members of council. Uh, my name is Pete Bure, uh from the Office of Budget and Strategic Planning. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to provide an update on the planning efforts for the Commission on Lifelong Learning. During the fl- uh, last fall retreat, you identified uh, Commission on Lifelong Learning as a key initiative to support your strategic goals and your council priority of education. Tonight I'm going to discuss our planning, our thinking about, and our approach to this initiative to date, and lay out some milestones, and lastly, talk about the path moving forward. So here's where we're headed tonight, and I'd like to begin talk about the Commission's proposed purpose statement. We started by developing a proposed purpose statement to serve as an overarching unifying declaration for the Commission. We'll take a focused look at lifelong learning in our city and provide actionable recommendations that we hope will have lasting impact on both resource programming and on our residents' lives. Our goal is to be broadly inclusive and to solicit inputs from a variety of stakeholders across the lifelong learning spectrum and from a variety of perspectives. We started reaching out to representatives to many of the groups you see here uh, to ask them to contribute to the Commission, and as you can see, it's a pretty diverse group of stakeholders. We've also developed some proposed guiding principles to set the tone for the Commission's work and to effectively communicate its priorities. Lifelong learning supports our city's overall resilience strategy by equipping our residents with new knowledge, training, and skills to help solve Norfolk's challenges. If our residents are motivated to learn and have the opportunities to do so in a variety of ways, we will all benefit and become a stronger, more resilient community listed here are the proposed guiding principles for the Commission, and again, they are written to be inclusive. acknowledge the variety of backgrounds of our residents and the collective continuous benefits in lifelong learning. And in developing these principles, we turn to some noteworthy work developed by uh, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, or UNESCO. Uh, UNESCO maintains an institute for lifelong learning, and it produces training, program, and policy materials for cities around the world that are striving to improve learning locally. Uh, Taking our planning a step further, uh, we draw upon UNESCO's concept of a learning city to create a proposed commission framework to focus on key attributes, environments, and enablers of lifelong learning in our city. According to UNESCO, a successful learning city does a couple of things really well. It effectively mobilizes its resources in every sector, sector promote inclusive learning from basic to higher education. It revitalizes learning in families and communities. It facilitates learning for and in the workplace. A learning city extends the use of modern technology. It enhances quality and excellence in learning, and it fosters a culture of learning throughout life. Our proposed framework reflects these key attributes and serves as a visual representation and a communication (coughs) tool for the Commission. Our overall approach is to look at learning in a broad sense and consider multiple topics, to include early childhood education, which we heard a little bit about tonight, career technical training, literacy, before and after school programs, workforce development that we also heard about this evening, adult education and opportunities for the military-connected populations in our city. We will leverage the outstanding work of the Poverty Commission, especially related to workforce development and to early childhood education. And when we develop our findings and recommendations, We'll focus on those that include multiple stakeholders and resources and have the most impact potential for the most residents. Our process will mirror that of the Poverty Commission in many ways. After the organizational phase, we'll transition to work groups around the focus areas, and these groups will research, discuss, and present findings to the entire Commission, and they will work to identify cross-cutting themes and recommendations. Towards the latter part of the one-year effort, the Commission will agree upon consensus priorities and recommendations. And the final deliverables will be a written report as well as a presentation to you in the summer of 2018. As we begin our detailed planning, we identified some key milestones to look forward to over the next year related to the Commission. We plan for our first organizational meeting in August and then get to work. We'll hold focus group meetings and develop preliminary findings and recommendations in the fall and into the winter. And then we will plan for two town hall meetings in the winter and the spring to allow residents to hear about the ongoing work and to provide feedback. Following the delivery of the written report and the presentation to Council, the Commission will formally sunset in August of 2018. So moving forward. We have a couple things to do to get this kicked off. We'll coordinate with the city manager's office and with the clerk's office to draft and finalize the formal resolution establish- establishing the commission, and this resolution will designate by name the council chair or chairs and the commissioners. We'll also work to scope the commission's work appropriately to ensure that it meets your expectations and can deliver on the timeline presented. We anticipate being able to address three to four focus areas, and we welcome a discussion on, and your inputs on that. And we will also develop a roadmap to iron out the scheduling and the work assignments and overall logistics. So stay tuned. You all know Suzanne Perrier well, and she has graciously agreed to serve as the Commission facilitator for this. On the City staff side, I'll be coordinating many aspects of the Commission, so you'll undoubtedly be hearing from me again. And I look forward to working with each of you on this. Uh, And last but certainly not least, I'd like to acknowledge Ms. Catherine Schneider. You stand up. Uh, you met her briefly uh, at the Nell uh, Executive Intern um, introduction, but she is uh, working this summer in the City Manager's office and is going to be uh, assisting with get- getting the Commission up and running. So, thank you.
8: Mm-hmm. Good. you
5: know how it
4: works
9: out. <laughs> I appreciate your time. Uh, this is obviously still in the formative stages. And uh, welcome the discussion on on how best to move forward and what your priorities are. And uh, look forward to supporting the Commission on Lifeline Thank you.
0: All right. So, um, uh, Peter, terrific stuff, and obviously uh, a lot of fun work, but I think a good roadmap forward. And a year from now, we'll have a good product for you. I like your roadmap. Thank you. All right. Any volunteers for the council? We
9: have a few.
0: So we have so we've gone through a list of names and we've we've uh, talked through with the mayor and Frank candidly now we're we're talking to those folks and before we put them out publicly we want to make sure they're willing to serve. So we're talking to some folks and we're going to re- So part of the resolution that you all would adopt would, would include those names and you'll see them obviously before long well before <coughs> uh, we we'll read that to you. Can we send recommendations Absolutely. to you as well? So it so will we'll go, go to you. That's fine. Yeah. That yeah. All right. Peter, thank you, but appreciate it very much. Yeah. Uh,
4: we'll
8: Okay. And I'm interested in um, chairing that if uh, there's another council member that wants to do it. I think well, yeah, I Yeah, I just wanted, I didn't know. The
5: only problem I, Are, with you, asking you, are you, you
4: asking to be appointed as chair? wait? Are
8: you asking? Yes. <laughs> I'm volunteering. I'm volunteering. I didn't know if, I know Terry had said she Terry, wanted to do it wanted wanted to to, to. too. What I mean, any. It was the, the commission that council members could show up at any time and be a part of. So it'll be announced announced public meetings. All right. So um,
0: Steve Hawks is going to give you an update on the Ready to Thrive program as we get ready to uh, school. Hadn't even ended, but talking about back to school. Know, right.
6: Good
0: evening. Steve.
4: Thank you, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> council members. Uh, usually when I'm the last one on the agenda, Doug tells me, Steve, you got to be under five minutes. We're a little ahead tonight, so I get to preach. <laughs> we'll, we'll be okay. good on, preacher. Uh, We are talking about the Ready to Thrive program. Uh, Under the guidance of then-new Mayor Alexander, the Ready to Thrive initiative was launched in August of 2016. We developed several goals for that program. One was to promote healthy growth, development, and success of children, to identify and remove barriers to children's learning, and to support and empower parents to navigate and connect to community resources and systems of care. Let's talk about several of the components of the Ready to Thrive uh, initiative. The first initiative was Back to School Fest in 2016. We're going to review that a little bit. We're going to talk about this year's event, which is Back to School Fest 2017. And then we'll spend more time talking about a cohort of 50 children that were identified by Norfolk Public Schools for more intensive efforts. We'll talk about successes that we obtained. We'll talk about the obstacles to success. And then we'll talk about the ability to replicate this particular initiative. Let's talk first about uh, Back to School Fest 2016, and several of you were there. We appreciated all the support. Uh, during that effort, we had 1,343 people in attendance. Of those, uh, 982 were children. It was a collaborative event. It was manned by, primarily by Norfolk employees, but they were volunteers in that effort they they came out to to staff that we did have some schedule adjustments in there we also had a number of vendors that came to talk about the services that they could provide folks received backpacks school supplies there were recreational activities the floor of this was held at Norfolk scope and the floor of Norfolk scope had bounce houses and a variety of things that were Set up by our recreation, parks, and open spaces folks. Uh, we did uh, relent and have a hot dog lunch that was talk about eating healthy, but <laughs> we wanted to make sure folks came out. Um, we had access to the community resources. There was a room that many of you saw that was full of vendors that were offering services, some giveaways. Uh, we also had health services. Uh, Dr. Lindsay reached out to the community and so we were doing immunizations, we did some basic screening, uh, the, the resource uh, we had to have people sign up when they first got there because of the demand for that. All in all this was a very successful event for us. So we want to build on success and that leads us to Back to School Fest 2017. We've begun the planning for this effort. We have a committee. Uh, A lot of the folks that were here last year that were guiding this are gone, but we pulled together the folks that were involved and some of the others to try to begin the planning. So we're looking at uh, doing this event once again at scope. With scope, you have a large area. You don't have to worry about the weather. That was a consideration when we were first looking at this. We had talked about doing this on an athletic field. However, we would be dependent upon the weather. Uh, So Norfolk Scope worked. It allowed for a flow of individuals. It was a hot day. We had air conditioning on the inside. We want to use the same basic date, so we're looking at Saturday, August 26th. This is the Saturday before Labor Day. So once again, it's uh, not on the holiday weekend, but it's that week before so that we can get folks out uh, and begin to get them ready for when kids get back to school. Now, uh, Councilman Schmiegel, I did hear the discussion, and uh, so we are talking about public housing residents, Section 8 residents, and other specialized populations, excuse me, There's logistical reasons for this. Uh, And I don't want to say this in a negative way, but when we began planning for 2016, this was approximately a month after Portsmouth Redevelopment and Housing Authority had their event where they basically had to call the event off because of the crowd that showed up. We were very scared of that because this is not a city-funded event, there is not a line item in there. We had to obtain donations for many of the supplies, such as the school supplies and the book bags that you saw. We were very worried about, we did not want to run out, we did not want to have a volume that would overrun us. We did talk about, okay, so what if we use as a guide for who to invite our SNAP or food stamp population? That's 25,000 households in Norfolk. If you figure that's two and a half persons per household, you were looking at somewhere around 60 potential for 60,000 individuals. So the event was a success, but the numbers were right around 1300 so that's why we're recommending the limited population.
8: and, and I understand that and I'm not. I think maybe you're misunderstanding. You know, Norfolk Public Schools, the free and reduced lunch population is 67%. The populations that you're targeting here are at schools um, that have 100% free and reduced lunch populations. And I'm just being very honest a lot of the kids that are at those schools or are part of this already have access to other resources where you have kids at other schools around the city that don't get the same access to some of the free items and things that are being given or done here. View Elementary School is over 70% free and reduced lunch, and there's a lot of kids who live in apartment buildings in, in Willoughby that are on poverty level and are not part of Section 8 housing um, or public housing recipients. And so I, I don't see what it would hurt that if you know that View Elementary is going to do a back-to-school flyer, a mailer, why they couldn't put a flyer in there advertising this event and trying to reach some of those kids that are in other parts of the city that are not recognized as, as part of this i mean it, it just to me we keep on focusing on the same parts of the city but we're dealing with poverty all around the city um, and it, it, it makes me upset sometimes when i hear that um, then then maybe we need to not focus as much this this year on that um, some populations on this side and try to reach out to other parts. East Ocean View has uh, a federal HUD area. Go talk to the Little Creek Elementary School principal and hear what she has to deal with every day with poverty in her school. And so we're, we're ignoring populations in other parts of the city because it's easier to just go ahead and target areas where we know it's stronger, but we need to make sure that if we're if this is gonna be a citywide thing, that we are focusing on um as many of the kids as we can and i understand there's like 25,000 children but then how about we do a heavier focus on uh, other parts it, it just um and i, I actually i wish councilman Riddick was here sometimes too you you can end up enabling populations if you continue doing the same thing over and over for free and expectations so our you know i, I want to make sure that this is being spread out and we're having equal access for children in other parts of the city that have are, are dealing with poverty black white i don't care what color they are it's poverty poverty doesn't look at color and and I, i'm concerned that children in other parts of the city do not get the same access to these resources because we always go to the same groups and i'm sorry I, I, and i i said this last year i was upset about the way that this was being advertised and done and i mean my school is 46 percent percent free and reduced population and i have kids that need services and were not invited to this um, event at all. They did not get an invitation. They didn't know anything about it because they didn't live in public housing. And I think we're just targeting one area, but we need to make sure that we're looking at everybody. So we'll need some guidance from you all because I think part of what Steve's going to say in a minute is,
0: um, given the resources we've got and we're what we budgeted for, um, we're at a level that we can sustain, but we can't we can't sustain something bigger. So I think if listening to you. Uh, to, to meet your need, we'd have to shift. I no mean, matter Steve would not, Steve's nine, and then sort of say, all right, we've done something here, now we're gonna move somewhere else. And so we'll just, we'll need some guidance, this is our recommendation, but we'll need some guidance from you all if you want us to go in a
6: different direction. And I think that we're willing to provide the guidance that's necessary right. um, because being in the school, we see the children yeah, all the time, and they, they live in, everyday normal neighborhoods um, they, they go to school but for many of our children um, they don't have the resources that are available to them and they are also below the poverty line and it's, it's much needed to provide the resources to them um, as well especially with Norfolk's high population of, of poverty. And um, Mr. Hawks, when we say other specialized population, what are we referring to there? Okay, we had
4: um, other populations, some special needs populations, and what have you that were identified that. While we did not advertise it as we did within the public housing communities and did a mailer to the Section 8 recipients, we did have other individualized populations that we became aware of. They were much smaller in number that we we did reach out to. And quite frankly, a number of people did show up who were not affiliated with any of these, and we did not turn anybody away.
8: I'm sure that if you contacted every elementary school in the city, AND ASK THEM TO GIVE YOU TEN NAMES, um, to, inv- TO INVITE OR g- GIVE THEM TEN FLYERS AND SAY PLEASE, THAT WE COULD DO IT. There, there's WE COULD IDENTIFY VERY QUICKLY TEN KIDS. THAT'S WHAT I know. WAS GOING TO SUGGEST, okay.
5: JUST SPREAD IT OUT. and, and um, OBVIOUSLY, as, AS TOMMY'S TALKING ABOUT, IF YOU'VE GOT KIND OF AN OVERLAP OF SERVICES, that, THAT PERHAPS THE GUIDANCE COUNSELORS OR THE PRINCIPALS WOULD KNOW THOSE FAMILIES THAT HAVE FALLEN THROUGH THE GAPS. And haven't received services in the past, and, and um, uh, need access. True,
6: sure.
5: uh, might be a way to identify a smaller group. But a, a one. I know it's hard. It would be hard for right. principals to limit it to a certain amount. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we're still talking we about limiting. Okay, right.
4: that's a great suggestion. We'll be glad to take it back to the steering committee and and revise this portion of it. So thank you. And I would also encourage as we are identifying the participants please help us also with identifying the resources because, once again, this is a voluntary effort. This was not something that we had a line item to go out and purchase, so we'd appreciate that help as well. Thank you so much. Okay, so that's Back to School Fest. The other effort was a cohort of 50 children that were identified by Norfolk Public Schools. We did have successes with this. Uh, One of the successes was a comprehensive assessment form was developed. Uh, There was coordination between a number of city departments, Uh, the city manager's office, community services board, human services, libraries, public schools, neighborhood development, NRHA, uh, reposts, and the Virginia Department of Health. So it wasn't just city departments. There was an effort that involved a lot of our community partners as well. Uh, We we did not even have a starting point, so we developed really what turned out to be quite a comprehensive assessment form to uh, get in and meet with the families in order to determine what their needs. Uh, I'll talk about some of the barriers that we found Uh, Through that assessment, but at the end of the day after we did have contact with families and worked intensely with them and This was intensive work with these families. We did have self-reported family improvement and ability to manage problems We had an increase in access to goods and services. We had an increase in in informal supports and improvements in the positive family relationships with the children. So we worked with the families to try to show them different ways that they could work with and address uh, individual problems within the family. Um, Among the strengths that we tried to capitalize on using protective factors, we uh, tried to increase the parents' ability to cope and manage stress and difficulties. And in my Forty-four years in human services, that's the one common that I have found over those years is what what sets a person apart from long-term dependency on the system is coping skill. Because everybody has a child that gets sick, you either go to work or you don't, and that that is a coping skill. Uh, increasing knowledge of parenting, child development, helping. We've talked a lot today about. Uh, minus 9 to 5, helping with child development, showing folks what can you do in the early stages of life, Uh, identifying and accessing services and supports for the family, and improving the parent and child relationships. So these were some of the positives that came out of this. Okay? We did not hit all 50 of the, what was originally identified to us. Some families were very difficult to contact. From the time we were given their contact information and we made multiple attempts to contact them, we couldn't find them. Uh, we had other families that, at different stages, declined services. We had some that said, no, we will not sit and do the assessment form with you. We had others that went through the assessment form and they said, that's enough. We're not going forward. We did find a number of barriers within the families through that assessment. So I think altogether, we, we have made contact with 37 of the 50 that we were originally given that have decided to continue on. Uh, among the problems that we found, poverty and financial hardship, parental unemployment, or underemployment, low parental academic achievement, uh, housing instability, homelessness, food insecurity, lack of transportation, all of the things that, that you see in the schools every day. We were finding what the root causes were that, with what you were working with when the child shows up at school, domestic violence, chronic mental illness, child abuse and neglect, uh, neighborhood violence and crime, and unhealthy, unsafe housing environments, lack of awareness of community services that could be accessed. Do we have the ability to replicate this? Yes. But it is not sustainable as it is currently structured. Uh, Staff resources do not exist for this program. This program has been carried out by senior-level managers within departments such as the Community Services Board and the Department of Human Services. What we have found is we estimate that one staff member would be needed to assess and case manage every 50 referrals because they're going to be different levels. Some will be more or less intense than others. Criteria needed to be developed to identify the students that would be referred. What we heard from the schools, they told us, well, we didn't know. We were just told to give a, us 50 names from certain schools. They didn't know what it was that we were looking for, and quite honestly, when we asked for the names, we didn't have the assessment developed. So it, it was a, a good-faith effort by the schools to provide names to us, but as a result of no criteria being out there, we did not know, the re- we that were working with the families, did not know the uh, reasons why schools had chosen those particular students. And this goes back to what Mr. Smeagol was saying a little while ago about every principal can probably tell you a number of their students that need some type of uh, guidance or, or extra hand or showing something in their behavior or academic achievement that would say there's something not exactly right in the home that where help might be needed. So um, once again, that resource does not currently exist. This is what we feel would be needed if we tried to replicate this particular effort. And with that, I'll be glad to take any questions or comments. Uh, Ms.
6: Johnson. So, so Mr. Hawks, you mentioned that some families decline services. Yes, ma'am. And you, um, one of the reasons why you mentioned that was because of the form.
4: After going through the form, and um, I'm, I'm guessing Based on the comments I heard from the folks who were administering the form, after folks saw how invasive the questions were, because we were really getting into what's going on in this home, and there were some people that, after going through that process, said no, no further.
6: So we need to consider taking a look at the form. Yes, ma'am. Okay, and revamping the form. Um. And so have we been able to track um, you said some of the information that was provided, um, contact information was not up to to date. Mm-hmm. So question, where did you? Where did you receive your contact information?
4: From the schools?
6: Okay? Yeah. So we can answer that. We're, we're laughing because um, often, VERY OFTEN WE GO THROUGH THIS, um, THAT PARENTS WILL CHANGE THEIR TELEPHONE NUMBERS mm-hmm. AND IMMEDIATE monthly. CONTACT INFORMATION POSSIBLY ON A MONTHLY BASIS. Yeah. AND WHAT THE SCHOOL SYSTEMS OFTEN TRY, the, THE SCHOOLS OFTEN TRY TO DO IS TO SEND HOME A FORM THAT HAS SIMPLE QUESTION REQUESTING UPDATED um, INFORMATION for those teachers and principals and staff who are really creative, they dangle something to get those forms back so that we can keep it on file. We have the understanding that at some level, in my experience, I may have gone through at least 10 telephone numbers and not be able to make an initial contact um with a, a, a parent. So for some reason grandma's phone numbers always work though. Yes. So you can grandma. Get the grandma <laughs> didn't change her number as much as mom. That's no. no. <laughs> it. <So>. And in <laughs> many cases the children do not um know their, their phone numbers. number because it changes on a regular uh, basis. So they they don't know. So with that said, Mr. Hawks, um Mr Smeagle and I can review this and give some suggestions, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, so
0: I think what we're telling you really is is, is back to school fast. We're hearing you on the change, and and we'll we'll work to get the geography better. And we'll, but we've got a limited number, and all understand yeah. Sadly, that. Sadly,
5: I, I yeah. think transportation is going to yeah, hear a because that was obviously one of the uh, strong points of the ready to you know the other one because people were
8: just walking to the event. You, time, but North, we can do that. Is Norfolk Public Schools is. As a partnership, they've got buses. Yeah. I'm just saying, something needs to be done. You
5: know?
0: so, so I think our plan would be know. to let the steering committee kind right. of take your feedback and then, then we'll figure out sort of the, the response to that. Although on the so to school
5: I guess bed. my question would be who is doing this work now, if this past year, if we need a staff member for next year? Who's the, so this was a
0: bit of an ad hoc initiative, you know, yeah. that was really stood. I think part of what we're saying to you is it was. Um, I think it had success. Uh, I think there were a lot of obstacles. We were um, uh, trying to stand up something that had been done before, and we don't have the resources to continue it and and, and to frankly impact what ended up being 30, 37 families. And I guess
5: what I'm saying is, do you think, in your opinion, that this is an appropriate use of resources? In other words, does this have the opportunity to make a a difference? And I I hope it would, but, but, you know, that it's worth it.
0: But for me, in an environment of limited resources, uh, I think you're getting, uh, you're you're touching a lot of families with the back to school fest, um, um, in, um, in a meaning somewhat meaningful way. Uh, this is a difficult one to sustain, and it's not to say that you won't don't love impacting thirty families. But the reality is the, the work that put in, um, the return, but it isn't there. Okay. Yeah. So, well, the
8: back in the, for the back to school event too. Um, AND WE'VE HAD SOME VERY MINOR CONVERSATIONS ABOUT THIS. but WE HAVE ALL THESE COMPANIES THAT ARE COMING IN, AND WE HAVE DONE A GREAT JOB COURTING THEM WITH INCENTIVES. And I THINK THAT AS PART OF THOSE CONTINUED CONVERSATIONS WHEN WE OFFER THESE INCENTIVES, WHETHER IT'S ADP OR MOVEMENT MORTGAGE, THAT THERE SHOULD ALMOST BE A CAVEAT THAT IF YOU GET THIS INCENTIVE, THEN WE EXPECT FOR YOU TO PARTICIPATE IN ONE OF THESE EVENTS THAT WE DO HERE AS A CITY AND GIVE BACK TO THE COMMUNITY. Um, You know, ADP is a huge employer right now, and they've they've done really well um, in the school system with um, junior achievement and volunteering with that. Um, But I'm sure that if you know a company like that had asked for each of their employees to bring um, one school supply item, you know, to work, um, you you could probably collect (laughs) enough donations to um, stock a whole school. YOU KNOW, WITH THAT. BUT WE'VE GOT TO START um, NOT ALWAYS BEING THE ONES THAT HAVE TO GIVE EVERYTHING AND START ASKING THESE GROUPS TO BE PART OF THAT. AND I KNOW SOME OF THEM, NATURALLY, THEY HAVE THAT CHARITY IN THEIR ORGANIZATION, BUT I THINK THERE'S we're, there's GOOD OPPORTUNITIES HERE TO HAVE THESE um, TYPES OF THINGS. I MEAN, SIMON OUTLET MALL IS GOING TO BE OPENING UP SOON. WE SHOULD BE REACHING OUT TO THEM AND ASKING THEM TO HAVE SCHOOL SUPPLY BINS, um, DONATION BINS AROUND, So when they're doing their grand opening, people can buy things and donate it into that so that you can have a stock ready for um, this event in August.
5: But you need somebody to
8: coordinate it, Doug and I understand that, but you've got lots of interns that are probably just waiting to impress us with this
6: kind of stuff. Mr. Don't feel any pressure, Ken. (laughs) Um, How many book bags did Centura donate? 1,500? 1,500.
4: AND WE DO STILL HAVE, WE'RE IN GREG'S OFFICE, HOW MANY, GREG? Uh,
8: ABOUT 500.
4: Left. WE STILL HAVE ABOUT 500 FROM LAST YEAR THAT WE'RE HOLDING FOR THIS YEAR'S EVENT. OKAY. Okay. ALL
0: RIGHT, MAYOR, I WOULD LIKE YOU ALL TO CONSIDER THIS A GIFT OF TIME FROM THE CITY of Manager's oh, OFFICE. THANK YOU. <laughs> <laughs> CAN'T WE
8: START UPSTAIRS AGAIN?
5: I'M SURE NOBODY WOULD
8: CARE. WE CAN GET DOUG'S REVIEW DONE IN 30 MINUTES. Right? I, have, I HAVE SOMETHING FOR thank DR. Dr. WHIPLEY I WANT TO PRESENT. Uh-oh. Uh-oh.
5: Problem, oh, CAN no, WE no. TURN OFF THE CAMERA? No no. NO, NO CAMERA TURN OFF FOR THE HIGH SCHOOL CAMERA. I, uh, I HOPE THIS DOESN'T HAVE
2: ANYTHING TO DO WITH GOHORTS.
5: THANK YOU. email today said the
4: billboard was up, so I go into hiding for a swear <laughs> <laughs> Just wear a mustache. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
8: I mean, Terry, you could, you know, if you decide to run again, that's free advertising uh, for you. Yeah, I like you that. I like
4: the sound calendar. of that. Yeah,
8: well, I'll keep
5: that in mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thank right. you so much.
0: We've well, we got a few minutes for council concerns. I mean, I uh, know. Uh, not, we'll. Uh, yeah. okay. right, we'll see you in right okay. the okay.
5: Yeah,
0: come on a couple announcements oh, a couple announcements really a we will conduct interviews of the candidates for the city manager on June 27th all right so that's my I would time. Be. Um, Mr. clerk WHAT time the time will be noon we'll be the place we'll will down. is to be determined to be announced I have not
8: decided that yet. Uh, DON'T WE HAVE THE GROUNDBREAKING FOR, I MEAN, THE uh, uh, RIBBON-CUTTING yes. FOR SIMON ON yes. THE 27TH? 29th. It's the 29th. OKAY, I KNEW IT WAS AROUND THE TIME.
0: Okay. THAT'S THE ONLY ANNOUNCEMENT I HAVE. Uh, WELL, MR. MANAGER, YOU HAVE SOME GOOD NEWS. Uh, THE GOVERNMENT, THE GOVERNMENT FINANCIAL OFFICERS ASSOCIATION HAS AWARDED the CERTIFICATE OF ACHIEVEMENT FOR EXCELLENCE Financial reporting to the city of Norfolk for its FY 2016 comprehensive annual financial report. Christy won't tell you, but I'll tell you that is uh, 31 years in a row, right? Fantastic. Congratulations. All right. All right. So we'll see you. uh, that's 7, seven o'clock up there.
5: So
0: we can't do council concerns, or we no? can't. I well, I think part of we did them. To me, are certainly welcome. Obviously, oh, we did we did them they nice did it last week, so go ahead, they, Terry, by there, they got their, okay,
8: My comments apparently made David Brooks leave, so I, 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 I'm not going to say anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't think this will be
5: OFFENDED. Okay, go ahead, Terry. Yeah, we'll try. <laughs> um, I and maybe you guys talked about this, but I was reminded of this. Last night I attended the uh, initial showing of From the Ashes, which is about the coal industry in the United States and um, its effects on employment, and it's a multivariate topic. But one of the issues in that was talking about cities that have taken on resilience and to become self-sustainable and to have renewable energy. So I was very proud that Kenny had announced that, uh, as a city, we were going to um, not um, be dissuaded by uh, our president dropping out of the uh, Paris Accord, and that uh, to join other cities that have taken this on. So I'd just like to talk about that at some time. You know, for how we're going to do that and and what specifically. We're going to work toward. A couple of years ago, I brought this up about um, how San Diego had taken on that that we were going, they were going to use only sustainable energy. And um, I, I just think it would be very interesting for us to uh, talk about. It. I know obviously we do it when it comes to flooding, but there's so many other issues that we could talk about and maybe set some benchmarks, set some timelines. I know it's a big issue. You're probably not prepared to do that in the next. 40 minutes, but um, if anybody else has an interest in that, how do. Uh,
8: no, I would just, I, I do, but I would also like to get an update eventually on the studying that's supposed to be being done by ODU with the coal ash. Well, I've asked uh, Doug
5: about that because yeah. we have now had that, um, it's it's now we've gotten to the timeline on yeah. it, and so there he's going to present that in the um, next month. We're going to have that from DEQ because yeah. I had. REMINDED OF THAT, BUT, YOU KNOW, VERY FRANKLY, WE'RE GOING TO NEED TO RECOGNIZE THAT THERE HASN'T BEEN ANY COAL BROUGHT THROUGH BY TRAINS uh, FOR PROBABLY NINE MONTHS, ALMOST. Yeah. IT'S it's RENEWED NOW, SO THE NUMBERS MAY BE A LITTLE SKEWED BY yeah. THAT. SO WE'RE GOING TO NEED TO FIGURE OUT WHAT TO DO WITH THAT.
0: SO MY QUICK REACTION WOULD BE TO, to HAVE THE FIRST CONVERSATION IN THE CONTEXT of, OF THE THINGS THAT WE DO HAVE GOING ON, BECAUSE so THERE IS A LOT HAPPENING. AND, and THE ONE THING THAT HAS um, THAT WE'RE NOT STRUGGLING WITH, BUT WE'RE BALANCING IS AS WE THEME THESE um, WORK SESSIONS AROUND YOUR BIG THREE PRIORITIES OF HOUSING, EDUCATION, AND SAFETY. EVERY NOW AND THEN WE'RE HAVING TO SORT OF SHOEHORN THINGS IN TO MAKE SURE THAT YOU GET you get TIME TO TALK ABOUT THEM. SO that, THAT FIRST TUESDAY MEETING, THE WORKSHOP, YOU KNOW, WE DON'T THEME THOSE. and WE COULD PERHAPS TAKE uh, THE FIRST ONE OR TWO OF THOSE um, AFTER YOUR BREAK AND DEVOTE IT TO RESILIENCE IN THIS CONVERSATION ABOUT THE PARIS ACCORDS AND WHATNOT, AND CHRISTINE MORRIS AND HER FOLKS ARE uh, more than prepared to, to guide you it's through that some pretty exciting
5: things done by cities. One of them, frankly, was a city in Texas. And they talked about this would probably be the last city you would expect. Very conservative area. And yet they've done some really remarkable things on um, uh, working their way towards self-sustainability. And 70% of our pollution comes from cities. So we need to take that um, lead, I think. And, and uh, um, it'd be pretty exciting for us to do so. Okay. Sorry, no we don't read it. No, no. Great,
2: Great.
4: Okay. All right. Good. All right. So you upstairs.